We work hard, we play hard. We are gamerpreneurs. Individuals who have chosen to give up the security of a nine to five in favor of getting to set our own hours, of doing the work that we want to do, and we refuse to give up the hobby that we grew up with in order to quote, grow up. We have learned countless laws of life and sales from the games that we play, and we excel in everything we do. We see the wonder and glory in every interaction. We fit in awkwardly with the rest of the world because they don't understand our quirkiness, and we wear it as a badge of pride. We are focused, clear, and know what we want. We are gamerpreneurs, and we are taking over the world. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the Gamerpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bradford Carlton. Today, I have a very special guest with us. We have Tara Mantis, aka Steve. Hi there, Steve. Hey, how you doing? I guess I should have asked, do you want me to call you Steve or Tara Mantis? Steve, please. Steve, okay. So Steve, tell me a little bit about yourself. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I'm just a guy who plays games and uploads videos online. I love it. See, that's, that's exactly the kind of person I was looking to talk to. So uh, what kind of stuff do you play? How long have you been doing it? Can you kind of, like, how, how do you put your stuff online? I started putting up written medium, I'd say, almost 10 years ago, or whenever Dragon Age 2 came out. That was sort of when I decided that I thought I wanted to start reviewing games and just talking about things and that type of stuff. So I don't remember when that was exactly, but it's okay. been a while now. What made you, like, what compelled you to decide to start doing that? At that time, which is something I don't do anymore whatsoever, is I actually, I loved the first Dragon Age. I loved Origins. It's one of my favorite games ever made. And I thought part two is really fell short of the original for a lot of reasons. And so actually it was, I was pretty angry about it. I just wanted to go to the internet to be one of those, you know, people yelling into the ether about something, which is something I don't do anymore or whatsoever, which is why I was saying a minute ago. And it's, um, it's really the only time I've ever done it. So, I mean, being is kind of what got me to the internet or like, you know, talking about something. But then, especially after starting to make content, I never did it again because I just, it's such a negative thing. I just, I don't understand it. I, at the time it made sense, but after creating content and things like that, I know how many hundreds of people work on a video game and there's just no, there's just, it's no, it's not good to all over a bunch of people's hard work. Let me, uh, let me kind of ask a, a question. Um, do you think there's any place for that kind of, I don't want to say venom, but the ability to express that side of it so the the negative side of it yeah i mean the things i was writing were um so in the first game it was you were playing the hero ferelden and then the second game you were playing hawk and um you know my things were like these big write-ups about you know i was comparing the two and why one was an you know an analytical thing on why one character was more compelling the hero ferelden versus the way they told the story of hawk so i mean um it wasn't like I was just getting on there and spewing out um, troll stuff. You know, I was doing what I thought was, you know, analytical, my take on things and my observation of why it resonated with me. So if anything, it was constructive criticism. So yes, I think there's 
100% room for constructive criticism. And there's tons of outlets that do that. But I haven't, my last review was actually for Bloodborne in whenever that came out, 2016, I think, or 15, I'm not even sure. But um, I haven't done a review since then. Anyway, point is, yes, 100%. Um, okay. There's room for it for sure. Okay, can you so can you walk me through how did you go from a critical essay to you know a content creator? Like, what was the progression that happened there? I was just on different forums and stuff like Giant Bomb and and GameSpot, and that's actually how GameSpot hires a lot of their people is through um, you know forum contributors and things like that. That was never my goal. I wasn't like, oh, I hope they hire me because I'm writing these things. I mean, that was sort of the start of it. That eventually turned into me. You know, this was really in the infancy of YouTube. I mean, really, as um, as it being a even option for monetization and stuff like that. So this was, I don't know, 2010 ish, or something like that. But anyway, I was writing stories like that, and then I I just started watching all these other channels and thinking that I liked what they did, and I was just thinking to myself that I should try it you know, and to make a video. I had already been showing my written pieces to, to different outlets that were, you know, like blog-based and things like that online. And eventually I did get like a part-time journalism job for text media. I was watching all these YouTube videos and things and I liked them a lot. And I eventually wanted to basically change my medium. I just, I liked video so much better. Um, I, I really resonate with, you know, rep or visualization by uh, verbalization. So like uh, people, you know, showing what you're talking about, essentially. So I tried to make a, a video and it was really horrible, like really bad because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. I had never video edited before. I had never recorded audio. Uh, I just knew I liked it. And then uh, uh, over a couple of years of trying to become self-taught, I eventually got someone to hire me at a place called Classic Game Room on YouTube. And I worked at Classic Game or Classic Game Room Undertow, which was basically like their side channel for about a year. And then something changed with YouTube's monetizations where they were finally getting off of like the clicks model or whatever. And it was changing into, you know, the retention model, sort mm -hmm. of what it is now. And they were basically losing a lot of money because all of their channel was based off of, you know, I had to fight to get a video that was three minutes long or longer. You know, they were like, no, it's got to be two minutes. And all that stuff was changing and they weren't making nearly as much income. Basically, they let me go. And I, and that's when I started doing my own thing. Okay. Now, and that was what, I mean, like nine, eight, nine years ago? Well, the first video I ever made, the one I said was awful, was for Skyrim. It was a Skyrim review. So that was 11-11-11. So okay. it was so, right around there, a week or two within that release date, I'd say. All right. So about eight, nine years ago. And yeah. in that time, you your YouTube channel now has, uh, when I checked this morning, it was uh, 364,000 subscribers. Did you ever think it was going to take off like that? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I have no. I don't know what to say to that. I had I have zero expectations for almost anything I do. I have hopes for things, but I don't expect anything to do anything. Um, I um, let yeah. me, let me no. ask this. So you um, 
obviously you didn't have 300,000 subscribers when you first started. Uh, did it start out slow? Like at what point did it start to grow? There's definitely milestones that you reach that seem to push you further along in the search engine optimization of YouTube. Once you hit a thousand is definitely one, a thousand subscribers. And then another big one was around 3000. Cause I mean, there was times where I was, you know, there's times where I was just like, well, if I keep working on this, I'm getting like 10 subscribers a month at, or a week at this point. So that means I'm going to have, you know, 40 new ones at the end of the month. And it's like, if I keep going, I'm going to have, you know, whatever, a few more hundred by the end of the year. So, I mean, that was the way I was thinking about it at the time. So, I mean, there is definitely this type of, there's a huge part of content creation where you're definitely working for nothing. So, I mean, um, I always remember this one point where I went out to my, with my friends uh, to a bonfire. And when I got home, I had like 56 new subscribers and I was just like, wow, I had blew my mind, you know? And, uh, you know, I get that in, in, you know, an hour or so now. So it's, things have changed for sure. But yeah, there's definitely these milestones that seem to start pushing you and propelling you forward. And I, I feel like a thousand is one of them, and then three thousand was one, and then three thousand pushed me to ten thousand really quickly. But it's also it's there's um, an element of perfect storm to it as well, as far as what you're covering and what's coming out at the time and what you're passionate about covering. You know, so I was starting with. On my channel, it was for a year and a half straight, I did only Souls content, you know, and then I think I hit that 10,000 mark, like I was saying, around right before the release of Dark Souls 2. And then I just dove into that really hard and covered it a lot. And then that pushed me to like 45,000 at no time at all. And then, you know, it's, it's basically I have just been leapfrogging through from software uh, releases from, you know, Dark Souls to Bloodborne and things like that. Well, that's each, incredible. Each but, release has been pushing it forward. So um, th this is so cool. I, um, so I've noticed that you haven't posted anything in a couple months. Is there a reason for that? Yeah. Um, in August, my dad passed away and I tried to keep up with the work and I just, that was my plan when I got back from the funeral was basically, I'm just going to bury myself and work. And I did it for about a month and then I just ended up, I just quit for a while, so. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. Are, are you planning on coming back anytime soon? Yeah, I was planning on January, but we'll see. Um, it just basically depends on what's coming out soon. Okay, so um, what makes your content unique as opposed to everybody else? One thing I, I say about myself, I mean, I'm not really good at pitching myself at all, but, um, I, I have definitely said this before that I'm a, I'm a good content creator, but I'm a really bad YouTuber. <laughs> so what that means, I, I definitely put a lot into my editing and my script writing and things like that. And that's what I care about. Um, YouTube doesn't care about those things. They want, you know, videos quickly as fast as possible with the highest amount of retention and, people come into the website as often as possible to see your newest things. And so if you spend any time on, you know, it's definitely a, a quantity over quality type of thing, which 
So I, I think that's what makes me unique, I guess, is that I care about those things, even though it's mostly to my detriment yeah. in the grand scheme of YouTube. All right, let me, um, what, what you, you mentioned your, uh, your ability to be a good content creator. What unique skills or what skills do you have to be able to do that? Are you uh, particularly good at uh, graphic design or, or what? I've been told I'm really good at um, analyzing something, you know, as far as a review or, you know, looking at a mechanic in a game and seeing that through point of their overall development philosophy and, and how that plays through into maybe the story or the game mechanics or whatever. So, yeah, I've been told that I'm good at analyzing things. So I guess that's one thing. I mean, the things that I care about are definitely video editing is my favorite part. If I could just get a job as a video editor, I'd probably just do that. But uh, <laughs> I, like, I, I do like writing scripts too, though. So I think uh, those are probably the, the things that make me successful, I guess. Okay, beautiful. Now you have mentioned that you were, you are, or were a journalist in the past. Were you ever trained to be a video editor, though, or is that all self-trained? No, all self-trained. How did you, how did you learn that? Did you just go to YouTube to figure it out? Yeah, a lot of time. I'd say I went to the, the school of Google and YouTube for the most part. So yeah, I bought. Um, oh, I have the box right over here. I have it's a so Sony Studio. Pro or something like that it's like a $50 editing program because that when my first video like the one I said for Skyrim I was using uh, Windows Movie Maker and it was just you know obviously horrible and uh, I didn't know at the time I was just happy to be making videos yeah I bought that for like $50 and then I eventually moved up to Sony Vegas Pro and all that stuff and yeah whenever I had a question or I I would see something cool in a video and I was like how do they do I didn't even I didn't know what green screen meant back in the day you know I was like how do they cut out stuff you know so I didn't know what a chroma key was so it was like going to find what that even meant so yeah I jump on Google and then I go try and find a tutorial for it and then or if I like wanted to figure out how to do slow-mo or speed up a clip like I didn't even know you know all you have to do is hold down control and click on the edge and pull it you know and it's like sometimes there's just nothing to it but, you blew um, my mind I didn't know how to do that <laughs> yeah yeah it can be something extremely simple and uh that was whenever I was like oh how do they do that little cool thing and then, yeah I, I just jump on google or youtube and find my way to the answer so yeah I'm self-taught I um I'm probably not as proactive as I should be. I, I haven't figured out how to do the green screens yet. So all my videos are filmed in my living room. So I figure out how to pull off the green screen. <laughs> it's whatever, man. It doesn't really matter. Green screen or your living room. Right. Um, so let's, let's talk kind of nuts and bolts of how are you making money uh, as a content creator? I'll say it's barely from YouTube as meaning actual video revenue from, you know, AdSense or whatever. I barely make anything from that. I'd say 15% of my yearly income comes from YouTube videos. Even though I get, you know, tens of millions of views a year, most of it is from sponsorships. Okay. Now, what, like, what kinds of sponsors do you have? How did you get your sponsors? I mean, there's a lot of people out there with, you know, who have large audiences who haven't figured that part out yet. It was one of those milestones I was talking about that seemed to happen almost like clockwork. As soon as I hit 100,000 subscribers, I started getting like real sponsorship offers from people just reaching out to me. I've never reached out to anyone 
So, you know, whenever I have a sponsorship from Dollar Shave Club or Ubisoft or Perfect World Entertainment or whoever, um, it's always been, they've just reached out to me randomly. I've never, I've never, I've never been proactive in that way. So now what, what exactly does a sponsorship agreement entail? Um, that changes from sponsor to sponsor, but usually I don't, I'm very picky with, I mean, <laughs> even though, um, like eight of my 11 videos last year were sponsored, I'm very picky with them. I probably, honestly, if I took every, if I could make every single sponsor that came into my inbox and make a video for it, I'd probably make like 60 or $70,000 a month, but I turned down a ton of them. Actually, I turned down basically all of them. If there's actually a percentage for it, it would be minuscule. Um, anyway, so I don't even, what was the question? The question was, um, what do these sponsorships entail? Like, do you have oh. to create content? Do you have to product placement? How do they generally yeah. work? So m what I was getting to is that a lot of the reasons I turned, turned down a bunch of those is because, you know, some people are shady and a lot of the situations are, they're just not cool, you know, um, or, you know, back when I first got my first sponsorship offers was before the FTC stepped in and was really regulating things. So, I mean, there was a lot of stuff with, you know, people being like, you have to say these words, you have to like, say you like this, you know, and um, that stuff doesn't really happen very much anymore. Uh, but my point is, is that I definitely try to go with everything that I think will actually resonate with my audience that they'll like. I definitely do everything in my power to make sure that I'm following very uh, moral, <laughs> ethical type of code with everything that I do. So I'm glad to hear but, that. There's a lot of shady people out there, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. It goes both ways. It's not just uh, the sponsors reaching out. It's also the, there are a lot of shady YouTubers as well. So yeah, uh, it can change from person to, or not person to person, but company to company. And it matters what you're doing exactly. If it's a fully dedicated video or if it's an integration, you know, a, a lot of the ones I try to take more a lot of the ones that I even entertain the idea of accepting are usually give me almost 100% complete control. You know, they're basically just like, here's the product, go say whatever, you know. Okay. Um, now, kind of a separate but related at the same time, do you do any marketing for your content or you just put it up on YouTube and hope it goes somewhere? I used to have a website that I would use and post stuff to that and help that or help boost my videos a little bit by, you know, putting it on like exposure sites and stuff like that. But I haven't done that for like three or four years. So, yeah, I don't do anything. I do zero. So where you don't have to worry about it, huh? <laughs> I guess. Do you have any advice for anybody interested in coming into this world? For anyone who's starting to grow pretty well and like starting to see exponential growth and they're like getting to that point where they're, you know, about to pass the threshold of 100,000 or whatever. And they're getting sponsors that are reaching out to them. I would definitely like to give advice on not getting ripped off by these people because I feel like a lot of YouTubers, there's people who are substantially bigger than I am and they don't have any clue how much they're worth. And a lot of sponsors 
or, you know, middlemen marketing companies reach out to them and they love it when they reach out to these people and they, you know, see a, a dollar sign and they sign up immediately, not knowing that they are potentially worth like 10 times that amount, you know? And so that's one thing I would like to talk about is how to, Do you how like to price to yourself. Essentially. How, how would somebody price themselves better? So basically I can't get into any of my specifics because of, you know, like contractual obligation. Yeah. Um, but I can talk about general rules of thumb or, you know, uh, what I would consider an industry standard right now. Basically, the standard for discovering what your what a sponsorship should be worth to someone would be to the rule of thumb is for every expected 1000 views you should get $3. So, in other words, for every 100,000 views your video should get on average should be $3000. So what I do is I take my total view count, which is, I don't know, like 60 something million or something, and divide that across all of my videos, which is only like 120. And I don't remember the exact amount. I just know that my average views per upload is 400 and something thousand. So basically, when someone comes to me and they want a fully integrated video, that's my jumping off point. So it'd be $3,000 times 400,000, you know, or not times that, but uh, average views. So it'd be about $12,000. So that should be your, that should be your way of gauging what you're worth to them. And trust me, anyone who pulls those type of numbers, they are 100% you're worth it. They want you. So because even so basically the if you actually do the math for it the click through rate of purchasing on a video is about 2 to 3% or 4 2 to 4% of the total views so if you get 100,000 views and and you know 4% of that if that turns into a $60 buy on a game that's you know that's a lot of money that's a lot of money yeah Right. So, and then if you turn that into 400,000 views, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars that you've potentially just made them. And so when you pitch your, you know, $12,000 or 15 or 20, I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people. It blew my mind at first. It sounds obscene, you know, but that's what you're worth. So, I mean, you're making them like 10 times the amount of that. So anyway, my, my, I guess my point is, is that just do the math a little bit for every 3000 or for every 100,000 views you're expected to get, you should quote them $3,000. That's for a fully dedicated video. That's, that's crazy. I mean, when, like you said, when you, you first kind of got into those kinds of numbers, you, it blew your mind. How did you work through the process of coming to terms with what you're worth? I, I, I want my listeners to understand, you know, you, you might go from nothing to all of a sudden being worth, ten thousand dollars a video yeah i don't know i haven't come to terms with it because i still i live in a one-bedroom apartment and i have a big bank account i don't <laughs> want to sound like an asshole because i really don't care about money and stuff but to me it's about not getting ripped off you know i want to get what i'm worth even though i don't care about it i know that doesn't make any sense it like contradicts itself but i don't like the idea of people taking advantage of myself or other people even though I'm not like a, 
you know, I'm not like a gambler. I don't go buy cars or do any of that kind of stuff. I'm not like that kind of YouTuber. All right. I, I don't know. I haven't come to terms with it, I guess. I just, I want to do what I do and I want to make what I should make. And I think that's what's fair. So I guess that's how you come to terms with it is just, I don't know. Okay. Uh, what do you do IRL? Do you, do you have a job? Do you have a nine to five? No, this has been my full-time job, like I said, since 2016. Do you uh, like wake up some mornings and just like, it just, you go nuts because you can't believe that you have this life now? <laughs> Every once in a while, I'm not going to lie. I'll just be sitting there in my chair watching TV or whatever, doing whatever. And I'm just like, this kicks ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's incredible. Like, because, you know, just, you know, four years ago, you, you went full time on this and all of a sudden you're now sitting around all day. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's this type of freedom to being able to, you know, there are days where I work for <laughs> my work day, quote unquote, was, uh, you know, 34 hours long because I didn't go to sleep for several days and I worked nonstop to get some deadlines done and stuff like that. But I mean, for the most part, I make my own hours. I go to bed when I want to get up when I want. And I, there's, it's, it's hard to get away from that, to go back to a normal nine to five for sure. Now, let me ask this. Do you think that you're living the dream or, or do you still have a uh, higher goals? Oh no, I, I have higher goals. I mean, to be honest, I'm, I am getting somewhat burnt out on YouTube to a degree. I mean, uh, it, to me, it has a lot to do with my personal life of probably being able to see that my upload schedule has slowed down significantly. There's a lot of things that I want to still do besides make videos. I love, I love video editing and things like that, but there's definitely times where <laughs> I don't like the the 30 hour crunches and stuff like that to try and meet sponsorship deadlines and things like that. I definitely want to make some games and things like that. I've been, I've been designing a board game for the last, well, it's been for like a year, but I've in the last three months, that's actually what I've been doing with my off time since after the funeral and stuff like that. I got back and started really diving into a board game I've been designing that's cool. Like, what? What is it? Can you are you willing to reveal it? <laughs> no, I. Okay. <laughs> I, this is actually the first time I've mentioned it publicly at all. So. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it. Um, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit. You know, we've kind of been talking the heady business stuff. Let's talk about you, kind of as a person, as a gamer. When did you first start playing video games? My first memories um, that I've actually retained are like being around the corner from where I was a kid uh, at the babysitter playing like duck hunt and you know Mario on the NES and stuff like that so I mean I was probably like four you know late 80s basically playing Nintendo I don't really I don't remember an exact time of when that started but I definitely remember we used to have this uh, like little entertainment stand on wheels and uh it had our nintendo on it and i remember being a little kid trying to get behind that figure out all the rcas and not understanding how to plug in the nintendo to play it and stuff like that <laughs> so i mean it's been quite a while so you're probably about as old as i am then <laughs> yeah 85 all right i was born 86 you're a little older than i am yeah so all-time favorite game then well, I got to give it to Dark Souls 1. I um 
I have played it. I, I gave it two attempts and I got to the first skeleton and it said you died and I quit both times. <laughs> That's a lot of people's story. <laughs> you just went the wrong direction. You were supposed to go right instead of left. Oh, that was what it was. Oh, thank you. Maybe I'll take it back up then. <laughs> uh -huh. give uh, it try. Sure. Are, are there any games coming out that you're looking forward to? Um, man, the first quarter of this year is littered with great games. Resident Evil 3, Neo 2. Okay. I want to go, I want to do something now real quick, um, if you're okay with this. But you've told us all the things that you've been doing on the success that you've had. But if it's all right, I'd like to humble you for just a second and ask you something that you failed at in life, not necessarily as a content creator. My goal is to show that, you know, you can, you can be big, a big person, you know, lots of followers, lots of subscribers, and still have screwed things up royally at some point. Do you have one of those moments? I'm, an, I'm a cliche art school dropout. Does that count? Sure. You went to art school, what for? Like uh, uh, Studio art. Studio art. Yeah, so painting on canvas and illustration. Okay, and do you still do that? No. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I found that I, that was sort of my thing with video editing is I was, I, uh, I was like, oh, I like this way more than I ever liked putting paint on canvas. Do you, so, uh, do you think you make more money now than you ever would have if you'd followed the artistic path? Probably, I have no clue though, but more than likely, yes. Well, in that case, your failure turned out to be a great thing for you. I guess. <laughs> as long as you have a hard time, though. I guess, right? What's that? As long as you enjoy what you do. Yeah. No, I, I do. And uh, I'm grateful for being able to do what I do. But yeah, um, dropping out of college was tough. It was also, you know, I'm sure you know that it was, if you add the years up, that was right at the recession. So it was like I was also basically unable to get a job. That's why I was, uh, I mean, I couldn't even get a job stocking shelves at Home Depot. You know, I actually, I literally put in every single application I could, hundreds of them all over the place. I couldn't get a job anywhere. And I'm just like, I know I'm not stupid and I'm physically strong. I don't understand why I can't get a job. I, no one really at the time really understood exactly what was going on with the job market and the recession and all that stuff. But I, you know, I just thought it was a problem with me. Oh, I absolutely understand. I, I know my parents were harping on me because I graduated in 2008 right during the recession. And right. I put in applications all over town. And then I put in an application, the store go out of business like three days later. So yeah. I, I get I ended up going to law school because I couldn't find anything. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the, uh, the community, the, the community that you've built. Um, you have a lot of subscribers. So I'm assuming you get a lot of comments and you got a lot of interaction with your viewers. Uh, what's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to you? I wrote a lore video for Dark Souls on Artorias that I get a lot of comments about people literally saying that I made them cry. So to be able to evoke that type of emotional response through written words and you know, the way I edited things, I think that's extremely special. I sure as hell never got anyone to cry by looking at one of my paintings. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. On the flip side, what's the, the worst thing or the worst trolling you've ever gotten? I don't really engage with that type of stuff. I, I you know, I've gotten really horrible comments, but... Um, okay, um, in that, let's, we'll switch up then. Um, how do you, how do you push through 
you know, you read this horrible thing and how do you not let it affect you? I don't know. I've just always been that way. Like with kids in school or any of that type of stuff, it's just always rolled right off of me. Those things, you know, I might get 10,000 positive comments and then there's that one that's really mean or whatever. And those definitely stick out. But um, for the most part, I just don't engage with it or I don't know. I just chalk it up as ignorance. And All right. Away. So um, you're a, a big timer on YouTube. I know there's people bigger than you, but obviously, honestly, there's a lot of people a lot smaller than you. Um, are you engaged or are you familiar with the community of content creators at all? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm not actually a YouTube watcher. Not really. Um, I watch some of my friends' stuff and things like that. But uh, other than that, I, you know, I'm not like, like my wife will get on. She's a couple years younger than me and she'll just get on YouTube and watch stuff instead of watching TV. And to me, that's like, I'm just like, nah. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, yeah, I watch some stuff. But for the most part, as far as like a community with YouTubers, I wouldn't say it's through YouTube in any way. It's like, it's it's grown through YouTube. Like, I keep in contact with people that I've met at conventions or that I've met at, you know, when Bandai Namco's like, hey, come out and check out the new Dark Souls game, you know, and they invite all, invite all of the Dark Souls community members and, you know, we all talk to each other and stuff like that. So I still communicate with them through, you know, direct messages through Twitter and things like that, or we hang out and play games or things like that. But um, for me personally, none of that stuff's public. I'm I'm not that type of, you know, I haven't been in one of my own videos in like four years and it's not even public anymore. So I'm not into the whole sharing things publicly at all. So. Okay. I don't know. My community. Well, I really do something. appreciate you coming on and, you know, talking to us. I mean, um, for those of you listening, I, I reached out to Steve only what two days ago and you said yes and scheduled with me yesterday and here we are. So I really do appreciate this, Steve. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So, um, what do you think the biggest problem the YouTube, I don't want to say community, but the, the pool of everybody on YouTube has? I think it goes back to what I was saying about reviewing games and stuff like that. I really dislike hate culture, you know, I, I, but at the same time, I love it. Like I love H3H3 and things like that, but, you know, because at least he seems to usually have the moral high ground. There's so much of that type of stuff of people just hating on each other and and I, I, it also really pissed me off that it's super successful. So it's just, <laughs> there, there's ways that I know I could grow my channel substantially faster and do different things and take on different practices, but I kind of choose to refrain from doing that. But um, it's a bit of a pain in the ass when you watch other people getting very successful from something that I think is wrong, I guess. Okay. I have a don't sell yourself short, you know, by the average standard, you're very, very successful. I, mean, I'm, I view my, I'm happy. So I think that's really, Hey, that's all that really matters in life. As long as you're happy. Right. Right. Okay. Steve, thank you so much. Um, how do people find you? How do they like follow you, subscribe to you? Where, where can they find you? What's your handle? Um, <clears throat> I don't have many. I don't have one of those dudes who's all over socials. I just have a uh, Twitter. And I have YouTube, and you can find me at Terra Mantis. That's it. Beautiful. All right, Steve, is there anything else we didn't talk about you'd like to, to contribute? I thought we covered some pretty good ground. All right. In that case, Steve, thank you so much for coming on. 
you know, you really did give, give some great advice today and we really do appreciate it. Oh, it's great being here, Brad. Thanks a lot. All right. In that case, you all take it easy, everybody. Hey, if you like this podcast, I'd love to invite you to check out a little bit more about me, Dr. Bradford Carlton, Gamerpreneur. If you go to my website, www.thegamerpreneur.com slash bonus, I'm going to give you a free copy of my book, The Warcraft of Business, where I explain my history in both gaming and business and how I brought the two together in order to create some very successful companies and help a lot of people. And all you got to do is pay for shipping and processing, and I'll send you this book. I absolutely know you're going to love it. All right. You all take it easy.